Welcome to the Holistic Health Podcast, beautiful humans. If a professional, polished, well-edited podcast is what you're after, then move right on. If, however, you love unfiltered banter, unedited bloopers, authentic heart sharing, and a very generous dash of holistic health education, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in, shall we? friends welcome back to another episode of the holistic health podcast this is amy and it's just me today friends doing a solo chat with you about my oh most loved slash hated subject and that is the effect of mold on the human body and the focus of this episode is really looking at primarily for women although a lot of this would be relevant for men also Um, is the impact of living in a water-damaged building or a damp home or even working in a water-damaged, damp or mouldy office and the effect that that has on your hormones and therefore by default on your fertility as well. And so the purpose of this episode is primarily to reiterate that identifying the factors that are contributing to your symptoms, your illness, whatever condition you might have or diagnosis you might might have been given and dealing with that, which is what we call root cause medicine, is fundamental to restoring optimal health and well-being. And the reason I'm opening with that statement is so many of us jump to, oh what can I take for this? condition or what can I do for this disease or what surgery or pill is there available or what hack, life hack can I do to get rid of this problem? And unfortunately, although fortunately now that you know, our environment is one of the single biggest influences on our health. And what this means is if you're doing all the right things, you've had the right nutrition advice, you've had the right pathology tests done at the right time of the month, you're on the right prescriptions, the right herbs, all of the things, but your issues are still not shifting, that's when I would say you've got to look at the environment. It's also why as a clinician, I actually look at the environment up front because no vitamins, herbs, pharmaceutical medications, meditations, lifestyle practices are going to move the needle, so to speak, and improve your health if your environment is poisoning you, inflaming you, irritating your immune system, disrupting your other natural biological pathways um, from functioning as optimally as possible. And so the focus for today's episode is really looking at the impact of mold or rather a water damaged building or a damp building or a sick building can have on your hormones and your fertility and the ways in which those things can unfold. So first and foremost, what I'd like to point out is In a damp or water-damaged building, we have lots of microorganisms proliferating. It's not just fungi um, and yeast. It's also bacteria and a whole host of other really yucky microorganisms that are producing all kinds of metabolites that have an influence on our biology. And one of the things I want to point out about that is there's essentially a resource war going on in the home where all of these microbes are competing for water and for food. And as part of that, they 
engage in biological warfare. Mold uh, produces mycotoxins to try and kill off the bacteria. So it gets the lion's share of the food and the water. And of course, these toxins can have significant effects on our gut and liver, but in particular, those that have antibiotic effects. So we know that mycotoxins impact our natural microbiome, damaging our own commensal microflora. We also know that mycotoxins can alter the permeability of our gut, making it more leaky and impacting nutrient absorption for that reason because of the local inflammation. We can see the histomorphology of the intestinal tract changes. And what I mean by that is we can see the damage to the microvilli or the little finger-like projections that should naturally be found on the lining of our gut that allow us to absorb nutrients actually get stumpy and kind of flattened. So we don't get to absorb nutrients from our food as well as we would normally. And this can, of course, lead to vitamin and mineral deficiencies like iron and zinc and vitamin A, amongst others. Now, there's secondary consequences to this impact that mold has on our gut. Number one, this loss of commensal microflora or the natural probiotic bacteria found in our gut can see other opportunistic microorganisms in the gut start to proliferate. And just one example of how this affects our hormones is when we start to see the microbiome shift this way we see an increase in the activity of an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase. Now, that's a bit of a mouthful. You don't have to remember that enzyme name. There's going to be no pop quiz at the end of this episode. But it's important you understand what this enzyme does. Now, if we back up a little bit and consider the ways in which our body eliminates estrogen, one of those pathways is via liver detoxification. There are three different detoxification pathways that estrogen can be metabolized and eliminated, ultimately leading to this conjugated form of estrogen or three different types ending up in the gut ready for elimination through the stool when we have a bowel motion. Unfortunately, when we have increased beta-glucuronidase activity, we see this estrogen being uncoupled from the thing that it was conjugated with and reabsorbed back into our body. This is just one of the many mechanisms by which mold can impact hormones, drive up estrogen, drive down progesterone. Second of all, we also know from a broader detoxification sense that anytime there's inflammation in the lining of the gut, which we know mycotoxins cause, we see the liver automatically downregulate phase two detoxification. What does this mean? This means the liver's natural methodology for eliminating toxins out of our body via the bile and the gut actually gets shut down or dialed down, meaning toxins are not eliminated effectively from the body and they start to accumulate in the liver and in the tissues of our being. And so when it comes to, this is obviously a problem for every toxin, whether we've onboarded it from outside of ourselves or it's a natural toxin that's been produced as a result of you know just human metabolism, the liver is the main filter and eliminatory organ of the body. 
if this isn't going to function well, this puts pressure on the kidneys and the skin and the lungs and really has a knock-on effect to the rest of our body and ultimately will mean accumulation of toxins in our system, which are going to be problematic. So that's number one, the impact of gut and liver um, health due to mycotoxins. So that's number one. Number two, the innate immune response to a foreign antigen and toxins are considered to be foreign antigens can drive up the way our immune system responds um, to these, I guess, what can I call them? Alien invaders or just chemicals in this case that our body doesn't want inside. And one of the primary um, aspects of our immune system that gets upregulated with mold exposure is histamine. Now, you're probably familiar with that term um, as it relates to allergies. Certainly, if we've inhaled or we have something on our skin and in our eyes that our immune system wants to get rid of, histamine production will increase locally to create an environment that attempts to flush away or eliminate or remove the offending agent. So you get pollen in your eyes, your um, eyes and, you know, the local mucosal immune system will produce histamine. Your eyes will start to water in an attempt to wash that away. But if you're living or working in a water damaged building and it's not like just a one-off occurrence, we see this chronic elevation of histamine production. What does that have to do with your hormones and your fertility? Quite a bit, actually. So histamine actually increases estrogen production. It can stimulate the ovaries to produce more estrogen. Um, there's actually a dose-dependent synthesis that occurs in the cells from histamine 1 receptor activation. So regardless of what your estrogen levels were like perhaps prior to this, whether or not they were healthy or elevated already, histamine will drive it up even further. And then to make matters even more complicated, estradiol or our estrogen can further increase histamine production. Man, that's annoying, isn't it? Um, Estradiol actually elicits the activation of mast cells. So let's say you already had an issue with estrogen metabolism and that classic excess estrogen type of hormonal state, this elevated estrogen can then drive up histamine, which of course drives up estrogen even more. So unfortunately, with um, estrogen being able to bind to mast cells, which are the cells that um, actually elicit that histamine response, we start to see rapid histamine degranulation, synthesis and release, which is also why excess estrogen states can really create a lot of other inflammatory and allergic type symptoms as well. Unfortunately, estradiol also downregulates an enzyme that gets rid of histamine, and that's diamine oxidase. So it decreases this very mechanism that would ordinary and ordinarily clear out um, histamine from our body. Actually, side note, anytime there's inflammation in the gut, we also see a loss of diamine oxidase. Oxidase. So you can see how it just really compounds and compounds and it feeds each other. And this is what makes functional medicine so tricky because everything is connected and you have to cover all of your bases and you have to find the root cause. All right. So that's number two. Number three, 
when we have chronic toxin exposure, even if you don't have what we call a moldy gene or a genetic susceptibility to mold toxins, chronic inflammation alters some of the metabolites that your body produces. And I'll give you two examples of that. First of all, anytime we have increased inflammation in the body, the body's going to get to work to try and reduce that inflammation because it's really damaging to our tissues and cells and organs and glands. And one of the ways in which our body tries to do that is by producing cortisol. Now, you know, you might have, or maybe you know someone who went for a cortisone injection for some sort of injury or inflammation related issue. It's utilizing that corticosteroid to downregulate inflammation in an attempt to try and allow the tissues to heal. But of course, if you're being chronically exposed to something that's triggering the inflammation, that doesn't really work out. But what happens with that is cortisol is made from a substance called pregnenolone. Pregnenolone is also important for making other things in our body like DHEA and progesterone. So for our hormone balance, we need sufficient levels of pregnenolone in order to have great progesterone, DHEA, and androgen levels, actually. Now, as soon as we have upregulated cortisol production, a phenomena occurs, which we call the pregnenolone steal. And what's happening is the body is stealing more pregnenolone to make cortisol because, of course, inflammation, dealing with that's a higher priority than having healthy hormones. Usually in the short term, that's fine. But chronically speaking, we start to see less pregnenolone available for progesterone and hormone production. So we then see low progesterone and low DHEA levels. That's a really big issue for women's well-being anyway, but especially when it comes to fertility. Lots of other things happen when inflammation goes up in the body, though, um, including enzyme, other enzyme activity being dysregulated. One of those things is an upregulation of an enzyme called aromatase. Now, this can be upregulated for a number of reasons. You know, other things like vitamin D deficiency can do this, but inflammation will increase aromatase activity. What does aromatase do? It converts androgens like testosterone into estrogen. And so what this looks like in men and women can be a little bit different. Certainly for men, we see low testosterone and higher estrogen. We start to see gynecomastia or man boobs. We start to see more um, female or um, biological female fat distribution. So weight gain around the hips and the thighs. Um, but for women, again, we see lower androgen, so lower testosterone, which means low libido in both sexes and higher estrogen. And because we obviously are higher estrogen creatures anyway, that can become really pronounced. So, you know, higher, I mean, we, we, the symptoms of higher or elevated or excess estrogen are quite long and complex. And maybe we'll do an episode on that another time, but all of those things will start to become exaggerated or amplified when we're inflamed and certainly mold will do that. So that's the third way that a water damage building or mold can impact your hormones. Another way that it can impact your hormones is 
by pure mycoestrogenic effect. Now, you might already be familiar with the term xenoestrogen. Xenoestrogen is a term that's used to describe synthetic chemicals that can bind to our estrogen receptors and have an estrogen-like effect. One that you're probably most familiar with is BPA. The whole bisphenol group, by the way, is an endocrine-disrupting family of chemicals, but you know, the whole BPA-free movement has been born out of the understanding and the recognition that it has a xenoestrogenic effect in the body. There are chemicals that mold produces that are also xenoestrogenic, or in this case, we call them mycoestrogenic. Now, the big one is a compound called xeralanone. There are other ones, xeralanol, xeralanol, um, and these are mostly produced by fusarium species of fungi or mold, and fusarium species proliferate in a water-damaged building. And so this is a real issue for us because we, again, might be doing all the right things. We might be avoiding plastics. We're avoiding phthalates, parabens, endocrine-disrupting chemicals in our personal care products, in our cleaning products. And yet we might be being exposed and onboarding these xenoestrogenic compounds from hidden mold in our home. Now, here's what we know about animals. We see a decreased fertility in animals exposed to Xerolinone. We see abnormal menstrual cycles, swollen vulvas, vaginitis. We also see reduced milk production um, in breastfeeding cattle. Uh, We also see miscarriages in cows or heifers or baby cows that are born weak um, and have immune suppression. We also know, FYI, that xerolinone impacts the process of sperm production as well, down-regulating sperm production, so reducing sperm count. Uh, we also know um, xerolinone inhibits an enzyme called 3-alpha reductase, which influences hormones and ovarian follicular development. So this can impact puberty um, in both boys and girls. Uh, but also ovarian function in adult women. We also have seen um, in studies that xerolinone is able to stimulate the growth of human breast cancer cells um, and may also lead to prostate, ovarian and cervical cancers. And so we all know toxins are bad for us, right? And I'm sure if you are a listener of our podcast, you've already gone a long way in your exposure to unnecessary chemicals in your home and in your life. But one thing that I think a lot of people overlook is the microbiome of their home and managing moisture um, appropriately to avoid a sick building syndrome. And the reason we call it sick building syndrome or a water damaged building is because of all of the chemicals and all of the microbes that grow when moisture isn't managed well. So I hope that this episode has shown you just how profound an impact the microbiome of your home can have and can be on your hormones and your well-being and your fertility. This is important information to know um, whether or not you're ever planning to conceive, um, whether you have children already or not. Um, If you have a human body, having a healthy home is, I actually think, ground zero for health, you know, as a nutritionist uh, and a naturopath, um, 
you know, diet, there's so much focus on diet and lifestyle and exercise and nervous system regulation. And trust me, those are all very important pieces. But as someone who had all of those pieces in place, I can tell you they did absolutely nothing in the face of living in a water damaged building. And so if you are struggling with any kind of health issue that doesn't seem to be responding despite your best efforts, consider whether or not you have maybe some sort of exposure environmentally to a water damaged building. If you'd like to learn more about that, I have a free ebook that goes through other signs and symptoms and conditions that are associated with mold exposure. You can download that for free uh, in the show notes of this episode. If you are unsure about whether or not your house has mold because you can't see any, I totally understand. Most people don't realize that at least 80% of water damaged buildings don't show any obvious signs like a big patch of mold on the ceiling or the wall. I have a free webinar that goes through some of those other more subtle red flags that could indicate to you that your home is actually water damaged. So I'll pop the link for that below if you would like to register. I think it's about half an hour, so not super long, uh, but we'll give you a comprehensive list of things to look out for that might indicate to you that actually there might be something wrong in this building or in this office. And if you know you have a mold problem and you need help with that, please reach out. There's a number of ways in which I can support you, whether that's through my course, Mold Proof Your Home, or directly as a clinician. And if you are simply interested in preventing mold in your home, I actually have a mini course available for that that will set you up to ensure that you know exactly what to do to keep your home and or your office mold-free forever. That's it for this episode, folks. I hope you enjoyed the solo cast. We'll be back next week with more health information. And in the meantime, stay well.